Hey everyone, we appreciate you listening. We'll get into the show in a bit, but just want to mention, go check out our Twitter page, at Midcourt Madness, for all of our show updates, as well as some breaking news tweets. Also, check out our website, where we post all of our writing at midcourtmadness.wordpress.com. Here's the show. On today's Midcourt Madness, we are continuing conference preview season with our first Power 6 conference, the Pac-12. Can UCLA build on their tournament run from a year ago and prove that it was not a fluke? Can Oregon prove that they are worthy of being a consistent national contender? And can the rest of the teams in the conference raise the floor and prove that the Pac-12 deserves some damn respect? Let's talk about it right after this. All right, Biggs, we're going to skip winners, losers, and we're going to get right into the preview portion of this. And the way I have this broken up is I'm going to do this by tiers. You know, you and I, we're big tiers, guys. Whether Huge. it comes whether it comes to, like, grouping teams together or crying after a little Philly breaks our heart. Yeah. So, And so just for our listeners, this is how we're going to do tiers. There's going to be four of them. Tier one basically means that we consider this team to be a team that can win it all. Like, they're that good. They're... Firmly in the tournament, unless if any, you know, big injuries happen. And as long as they can, you know, hit their stride, they're going to be a national title contender. Tier two is teams that, you know, just on paper, they look like they're pretty well into the tournament. Um, If they don't make the tournament, it's probably considered an unsuccessful season. Um, Tier three are teams right now. If like, say, if we were looking at Joe Joe Lunardi's bracketology, they were probably, you know, sort of in that first in or first four in, or first four out, or last four in um, type teams. And probably they might need to outperform sort of how they look right now to make the tournament. And then tier four are teams where if they make the tournament, give that coach the conference coach of the year because they did an amazing job with that team. And basically are teams that we do not cons- we do not consider tournament teams as of this moment. So let's get right into tier one, Biggs. And I don't know about you, like, okay, if you – if you were to take this conference and consider how many teams could win the national title, how many would you say? I, I, it, that's tough to say. I mean, national title contender in, in college hoops, I think there, it's a bigger, like it's a, probably a smaller number than people think at the beginning of the year. We think, man, there's 30 teams that could win the national title, right? It's, it's never really that high. There's probably like five to 10. If you really think about it, um, Maybe two, I guess. I, I guess if in if in six months or seven months or whatever the national title is, there, there's probably two teams that I can close my eyes and picture winning right now. But but even that, it's it's probably more like one and a half. I, I, UCLA is one, right? And, and even if I think Oregon right. might be the better team right now, I, I guess I have a hard time seeing them winning a national title. But I think they're good enough to to probably get to a Final Four. You know. Okay, so yeah, I think I think we're thinking the same two teams here. It'd be UCLA and Oregon. Do you think Oregon's the the better team right now, or do you think UCLA is? I mean, I think UCLA has probably more. They've got more hype. They're gonna they're gonna for sure have more hype based on how the season ended last year with them making the run to the Final Four, and they've got the a rare uh, blessing of continuity, right? In college basketball, all this movement now, so many teams are are upstarting almost their entire rosters and their starting fives are just in flux. And we have so many guys that we're going to have to have them learn how to play together, all this stuff. 
UCLA doesn't have that. They have all, all their guys are coming back. All their important pieces from the final four season are back. They've add a couple guys who should supplement their roster in a positive way. They should be in really good shape in terms of they don't have to work out the kinks early season that other teams might. Um, my only question with them really is, and this is probably the low hanging fruit question that everyone's going to ask is, are the six games in March or the five, whatever game is the tournament run more, is that more the true UCLA colors or is it the team that was good, not great during the regular season? Cause it wasn't like there was some powerhouse. Now they got to the, they got to the play in game. They were in that for a reason. They were, they were a good team, not a great team. Are they all, are they a great team all of a sudden? Or are we, or are we overhyping that run? Right. And I would agree with that. Um, UCLA, like you said, barely made the tournament just by the skin of their teeth. And they just happened to go on an amazing run um, due in large part to um, big runs from two players, um, Johnny Juzang and Jaime Jaquez. Um I would love I – sh- I should pull up Johnny Juzang's stats from like those – I think they ended up playing six tournament games. Just pull up his stats and see what they were because I think he averaged 25 points per game is probably – sounds about right to me. He was playing ridiculous. He didn't miss. Um, and I do agree with you that right now I would give the edge to UCLA – due to a lot of the reasons you stated is just continuity. They're not plugging and playing a lot of transfers. They, to my knowledge, I think they only got the one transfer in Miles um, Johnson from Rutgers, but they returned their entire starting five. Um, They returned some key role players, not like guys who are going to come in and get um, double-digit scoring um, for them, but they have like David Singleton um, was a big – he was a contributor. Um, he's a good role player yep. coming off the bench just to spell players. Um, so they have like their top six, seven guys coming and add in Miles Johnson and add in um, five-star freshman Peyton Watson, who we'll see how they work him into the rotation. It's not always easy to work in a freshman into a really good team, like a team that's already good before they even got there. Um, and the other reason I give their edge uh, – Actually, I shouldn't say the other reason. The flip side of that, the Oregon side of that, is they're going to be relying on a lot of transfers this year. Uh, they return guys, um, Will Richardson, Eric Williams, but they are losing guys too. Chris Duarte goes top, was it top 10, top 15 in the draft? A lottery pick, yeah. yeah. Or maybe top top 20 pick. Yeah. Um, he averaged 17. Eugene Omarui also averaged 17. He's gone. Um, LJ Figueroa averaged 12 points per game from last year. He's gone. And, you know, like I said, they got a good piece. They got Davion Harmon coming over from Oklahoma. They got Quincy Garrier. They got uh, Jacob Young from Rutgers. But I see this team, honestly, I could see this team having some growing pains early on, um, you know, suffering a couple upsets early on just because they're, they're not going to have that cohesive unit at the start. But Dana Altman has proven that he can really get these transfers and really build some momentum throughout the year to where they're a tournament-ready team. So this could be a team also that could come into the tournament being a four or five seed and then just go on a deep, deep tournament run. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. In college hoops, there's probably a handful of coaches where no matter what they lose the year before, no matter what they have coming in, uh, it could be just an entirely blank slate. And and you just say, who's the coach? I trust that coach to get this team to a certain level, right? They have just a floor that they're going to reach. They're going to be really tough because of this coach. Dane Allman's probably in that mix, right? I mean, they, they do have good players coming in, all these transfers. I, I don't know how they're all going to fit. But for some reason, Dane Altman's probably one of the, the 10 to 15 coaches that you just trust. You say, you know what? 
you give him athletes and he's going to kind of figure it out. I think they're going to be really good. And that's, that's just kind of where he's gotten to over the last you know, decade with Oregon, where they're just, they're just always tough. They always kind of figure things out. They, they know how to mix and match with his defenses and their offense is, you know, it comes and goes sometimes. It can not be pretty at times. And I do think they've got enough guys that are, that are coming back and enough guys that they've proven that a, they can, they can plug transfers in B they can develop guys. I think they've got a couple young big guys who, who can, who can ascend and take on bigger roles. Uh, not to mention they've got a five-star big guy coming in who, who might, who might vie for some big playing time. Um, you know, so I, I do think it's it's a it's kind of the Altman the Altman bump is what I'm giving Oregon, right? Yeah, and yeah, you mentioned Nate Biddle. Um, honestly, come the end of the season, you know, they have their starting center from last year and Polly Dante returning. Nate Biddle could end up starting over him. You never know. Um, he's a very talented guy, number eleven according to ESPN. Um, so yeah, that's a big addition to their already like he's really their only impact freshman coming in. Um. But they, I see four transfers who are all – I shouldn't say all of them are very good. One of them's from just Nichols State. Um, but three of them are from very good Power 5 com- or Power 6 conferences. And another thing I just want to add, I guess, um, how do you see this team sort of – what's this rotation look like? Because, like, I'm seeing Will Richardson and Eric Williams, both wing guys coming back from last year. I expect they'll start again. Um, Quincy Gary A is probably gonna slide into that four spot. Um, so that leaves Davion Harmon and Jacob Young. Like one of those guys, I think is gonna come off the bench for them. Yeah, probably. Uh, I mean, if you have if you have five guys essentially for four spots, one guy can come off the bench, and they can still all end up playing, you know, twenty five to thirty five minutes a game. I think that's probably a good thing. You want that. I, I don't know who's going to start. I, I guess I don't really care. It's kind of one of those where whoever's playing the best at the time is going to be, uh, you know, in, in position to get minutes. And, yeah, I, I just think they're going to have – they have enough depth with, with four or five guys where they can probably sustain an injury. And and who knows how some of these guys, uh, you know, react to, to having – Different roles. I think. I think. Uh, I think Will Richardson is is in is prime for kind of a breakout year. I think two years ago when when he was kind of the second guy to Peyton Pritchard, he was like really really solid and looked like a potential breakout guy last year before he missed. Didn't he miss? He missed a good chunk of the early season for them and was kind of incorporating and and that's what kind of pushed Chris Duarte and and Omar Rui to kind of be focal points of the team was I think Will Richardson was kind of out of the mix for a little while. He had to kind of reincorporate. I, I say all that because I think he has a chance to, you know, whatever his numbers were last year, it was like 11 points and a handful of assists. I think he could have that kind of Chris Duarte bump up this year where it's 16 to 18 points a game and, and five assists, you know, and, and he's kind of a focal point go-to guy. And, and you've got other pieces around him now that, um, you know, fill in nicely around the gaps. Yeah. And if he can get up to 16 points per game, this is, immediately a scary team for anyone else in the country yeah. um we're gonna get into tier, tier two real quicker but quick here i just want to ask you do you think ucla's tournament run was a fluke last year you're asking the tough questions this is this is i i appreciate this you're capital j journalisming me with the tough questions <laughs> i don't know if it was a fluke i i mean yeah I, I don't think they were like one of the four best teams in the country last year so i guess by that very definition probably would I say it's would would I say it's more likely that they get to another Final Four than not? I, I would say it's probably more likely that they don't, right? I, I think 
I think it's a okay. good team that's probably any I think in any preseason rankings, if we see UCLA higher than like five or six, I think people are overreacting. I think it's probably like the sixth or seventh best team in the country heading into the year. I don't think it's the second best team in the country, just because I do think I think I think Juzang's a good player, but I do think I mean some of the shot making he did, like you said, was just incredible. Is he gonna do that thirty games next year? No, they're not gonna need it against, you know, some of the lower end teams of the conference, but I don't know how much you can rely on that. And and as much as I like Mick Cronin as a coach, he's he's got a, a, a relatively, as a coach, he's always had high floors and, and kind of low ceilings where his floor, his teams are always really competitive defensively because they play at such a slow pace. There There's some volatility towards the end of the season in tournaments. Maybe that's because he hasn't had the high-end caliber talent at schools like Cincinnati where he's been versus what he's got at UCLA, but... I do think there's probably some flukiness to it. I, I still think they're probably the the highest ceiling team in the conference because of all of the pieces coming back. And I love Jaime Hawkins. He's one of my favorite players in the country. And, and they've got the depth now with, with seven like starting caliber guys. But I guess there are some other national title contenders that I would put ahead of them. I, I don't know if that really answers your question, but what, what do you think? Do you think it was fluky? Well, for one – as a journalist, you're never supposed to answer the question. It's almost like politician. Politician. Yeah, I messed that up. So yeah, you did a great job there. <laughs> uh, as far as if it's fluky, like I could see this team sort of, you know, you always say water finds its level. I always say regressing to the mean. I could see this team sort of regressing to the mean and being more of a Sweet Sixteen caliber team than a Final Four caliber team. Would it surprise you if we look up in like early February? And there's lists coming out saying like disappointing teams. Uh, there's always teams that are super highly ranked early in the season and they've got a ton of hype. And for whatever reason that just never manifests itself, these teams that they don't, they just don't live up to that. Right. Could, could UCLA what's give, talk me into why, why that's going to be UCLA this year. Why won't they be the team that people are, are pegging that? Why won't they be a top five team? Like people are pegging what goes wrong for them. I would say that what could go wrong for them would be that last year's run just sort of goes to their head. Um, I'd say that Ju- for whatever reason, Ju Zhang and Hawkes, their performance early in the year and mid mid part of the year um, just proved to be fluky for whatever reason. They're not hitting shots. Instead of hitting 50% of their shots, they're hitting 35 to 40% of their shots, and that's all it's going to take. So if that does happen, I would say that that's the reason. And to be honest, I could see it either way. I could see us looking half halfway through the season, looking back and being like, oh, you know, they have proven themselves and they are a Final Four caliber team. I could also see the opposite. And where we look back and they're on Joe Lunardi's first four out, last four in status all, all season. I could see either way. Yeah, I could too. I could too. That's, that's a great answer to the question too because you just kind of hung out on the fence there. That's... That's the best way to do it. That's right. I can never be wrong. All right, let's get into tier two. And I'm just going to say this because, you know, I did research for this last night um, before we recorded. If you're going to, like, there's sort of a big uh, contingent of people trying to build up the Pac-12 and, like, trying to get their respect. If there's one negative thing I can say about this conference, they are very top-heavy. We have two tier one teams that I just talked about. I only have one tier two team that we're about to talk about. And then the rest are basically teams fighting for that. I see fighting for a tournament bid come the end of the year. Uh, what do you think of that? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't think there's, there are two teams that clearly, when you look at it, you say 
yep, those teams are, are really good with Oregon and UCLA. And I and it's hard to even if UCLA even I think like I said I think their floor is high even if they're disappointing I still think they're like a a, a relatively safe tournament team even if that rather than a one seed they're like a six seven eight seed something like that I think there's I think their floor is high the rest of the Pac twelve I I think there's there's relatively low floors you know uh, the mm-hmm. ceilings all kind of vary but I, I I'm with you I think there's a lot of teams here where you got a lot of unknowns because there's so many there's so many new coaches there's so many unproven kind of groups here with I mean Utah Arizona have new coaches Oregon State's replacing a ton Stanford's replacing a ton Colorado's replacing a ton Arizona State all these teams are replacing one and so yeah let's just get into our tier two and this will be a very quick conversation because like I said I have one team and that is USC who had who is another team that had a I don't want to say unexpected deep tournament run, but it was slightly like they did perform above where they're supposed to. Um, they ended up losing in the elite eight to a uh, fellow PAC 12 team Gonzaga. And they actually, they lose their best player, a top five pick and Evan Mobley. Um, he's going to play for, was it the Cavaliers? I want Yeah. The Cavaliers. Um, Taj yep. Edie, another double digit score is gone. Um, and really they're only, Impact. They have a couple four-star freshmen, but their only player who is probably coming in and is going to make an immediate impact is your favorite name, Boogie Ellis from Memphis. Boogie. <laughs> Davion Ellis. No, what was his name again? Rayjean? Rayquan? Rayshon, I think. Rayshon Ellis. I, I'm going to refer to him as Rayshon Ellis. I'm never going to call him Boogie. He has to earn that. Are you do that with Leaky Black, too? No, his game is entirely leaky. <laughs> <laughs> that one fits 100%. He's already earned that one. Three years of super leaky play. Might just what's what's even worse than a leak? Like a straight up uh like a straight up pipe burst. A clog. A, cl- a cloggy black. <laughs> I think I like that. Cloggy black. <laughs> that sounds that sounds like an issue. Um yeah, I'm with you on USC. I think I think they've got they've got enough guys coming back where I feel decent about them. I don't think they're going to be as good as last year because Evan Mobley was was awesome. Um, he was he was obviously he was a top three draft pick and he was the player of the year. I think he was the defensive player of the year. I mean, he's just a difference maker in so many ways. He changed the entire complexion of how they played. I think Isaiah Mobley, he's he's like he just kind of teases you, right? He's He's a big athletic kid who looks when he when he's playing well, you're like, wow, like he's a he's kind of a similar, you know, impactful defensive guy. He can he can get you 12 points and 10 rebounds and and like dominate the game. And then there's times where he disappears a little bit. He can't do that this year, right? He has to take a step forward and be one of the better big guys in the conference if USC is going to be competitive. And he's a junior, so I mean in in theory you think, hey, you know, he's an upperclassman now. He's been around for, for two years. It's time, you know, it's time to it's time to take that step and become that guy who was, a, I mean, he was a highly rated recruit. He has some pedigree. And, and they do have some players coming back where I do think their guard rotation with, with I mean, losing Taj Edie is a big loss, like you said, but they do have some other guys who are capable. Drew Peterson, who I think had a pretty good first year after transferring up from Rice, and and a couple of those other guys too that uh, Ethan Anderson had had good moments. I think they've got good enough guards where I think the floor is. 
for this team, oddly enough, actually, I, I think the floor is kind of they're they're solid. Maybe not like a a shoe in tournament team, but I think I think you can expect them to be like good. I, I guess I don't. That's maybe relative. I think they're going to be like a, a decent team. I think they're they're a top four team in the Pac-12, bar, barring like a mass amount of injuries or just something really really falling out. I think I think they're safe. I, I don't know. How do you feel about this USC team? Uh, so I was thinking about this earlier, and I think for this team to be successful, um, a Isaiah Mobley needs to be. I, I don't think he'll ever be able to be as good of a defensive player as Evan Mobley. But you got to realize they had two Mobleys in the middle last year in order to make their tournament run last year because they were known for defense last year. And so Isaiah Mobley needs to get to that level of Evan Mobley and, you know, conference player of the year or conference defensive conference. What's the order? Conference defensive player of the year level. Okay. So that's a because. You got to realize last year, like I said, they needed two towering big men just to get to the Elite Eight. Um, and then Boogie Ellis needs to be as advertised or better than advertised. He averaged 10 points per game um, at Memphis a year ago. He probably needs to get closer to 14, 15 this year. Um, and guys like you talked about Drew Peterson, who had a good year last year. He averaged just under 10 minutes. He needs to be more, probably 12 or 13. Um you know, you got Isaiah White, you got Ethan Anderson. They need to boost up their scoring a little bit. I do think this team is tournament quality. Um, if I were to guess right now, I'd say like that. Probably crazy to say six or seven, just like they were last year. That sort of seed line, I'd say. I thought they were like a two or three seed last year. No, they were six, I want to say. Were they that low? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. They crushed Kansas, didn't they? Yes. That's right. Okay. Yeah, I... I would almost, I would almost wonder if I think you're thinking they need more improvement from more guys than than I do. I think, I think if you can get one of those guys, if Peterson, Ethan Anderson, uh, if Ellis can come in, and and I'm lo- and I'm forgetting who their other who their other swingman was, who was who was kind of a role player for them. Uh, is it Andrew White? No, so I I lose track. I don't know. I think Isaiah White. I, Isaiah White, yes, he was. He they all three of them, Ethan Anderson, Peterson, and White, were all kind of like in that like seven to ten points a game range, twenty minute a game guys. I think if you get one of those guys to take the next kind of significant step, if, if one of those guys can emerge and become kind of that that all conference type of player, and then Ellis comes in and he can give you. I don't think he's going to be like a great 14, 15 point a game guy. I, th- I think if he can give you like just steady play, you know, it, I think, I think you're right though. I think it is almost entirely contingent on Mobley taking that next level, going to kind of that all conference caliber, maybe even more importantly, defensive side of the ball than offensively. Cause I think their defense was you're right. It was so good last year. Their two point defense was like best in the country. Uh, before they got shredded by Gonzaga, but everybody did. Their defense was so good because of those two big guys. How does it change now? Do those guards look as good defensively if they don't have Evan Mobley sitting back there cleaning stuff up? Um, it might have to be kind of a, a collective group. I think offensively, though, I, I don't know if all of them need to take that big step and add two, three, four points a game to their averages. I, I think if one of them can take a significant step forward and the other ones can kind of stay 
solid. I, I think they're going to be okay because I don't like you said the Pac-12 has a lot of a lot of bottom feeders. I still think they'll they'll be competitive in order to be a nationally relevant team. Maybe some of those steps have to happen. But in terms of if we're talking about just hey, let's keep getting, let's just keep stacking tournament appearances together. I, I think that's probably the bar they got to clear. All righty. So yeah, let's uh, let's get into tier three here, Biggs. Now I'm going to ask you if you outside like if there was one team that you're looking at right now that I that we haven't talked about already that you're thinking, hey, John. I think this team needs to be a tier two. Who would that be? Mm, I was going to ask you this question, so I'm glad you asked me as well. <laughs> I I was going through this Let's in see my if we head. Come up with the same could... answer. What's that? Let's see if we can come up with the same team. Ooh, that would be bad radio. I think we have to have different teams, don't we? That's fair. But no, maybe that'd be good too, though. Um, I'm going to go with either. Either Utah or Washington State are my two, if if only just because it's kind of the coach bump. I think Craig Smith is a really good coach. Uh, you know, you know I, how I feel about Minnesota and how their coaching search and hiring process went. Craig Smith was the guy I really wanted for them, and, and I think I think Utah got a steal getting him. I think he's going to be a very good coach. Uh, I think it's only going to get better the longer he's there. But I think he actually brought in some decent players. Uh, David Jenkins from from UNLV is is kind of a microwave scoring kind of combo guard who who probably will play a little bit of a bigger role than he probably should for this Utah team. Booth Gotch is a, a decent player who had a hard time last year in the Big Ten. The physicality of that league is just not conducive to his his style. Uh, and, and then they got a couple solid Utah State guys who who will play a decent roles. Around they're they're replacing a decent amount too, but. I have a feeling Utah is gonna. We're gonna look up, and Utah is gonna be a lot better than than anyone realizes. And you're gonna say, "Who, who the hell does Utah have? Like, who's on their team?" I, I don't know if it matters. I just think they're gonna be a they're gonna be a quality team. Um, and then Washington State too, with with Kyle Smith. I know they lose Isaac Bonton, who was one of the best players in the conference. I think they bring back basically everybody else, if I'm not mistaken, and they bring in a couple really good transfers, including Michael Flowers, who's coming up, who averaged over 20 a game at, I believe it was Alabama State. Uh, he's a kid that can really score. And then they've also got a like a D2 transfer up who is like one of the best Division II players in the country, and the name is escaping me right now. Um, Tyrell Roberts. Tyrell Roberts, yeah. He was a Division II like rock star uh, and, and really top-level shooter. I think they're going to have kind of some interesting depth, and, and I think they'll take a step forward. Top four in the conference might be, or tier two in the conference might be maybe just a step too far for them. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're a team that that picks up some wins that you go, what, Washington State? This team has been, this team's been asleep at the wheel for the last decade. I think there's potential there for them to, to surprise people. Okay. So yeah, I actually have a different team than the two that you mentioned. Um, but And we'll get to that team. Right off this, but let's just uh, we'll chop it up with those two teams first. Um, so I'll start with Utah. Like you mentioned, Craig Smith comes over from Utah State. Um, lots of success over there. Made made the tournament a year ago, and you know you mentioned David Jenkins and Booth Gotch coming over transfers. Um, but you didn't mention the two players he brings with him from Utah State and Raleigh Worcester and Marco Anthony. Yeah. Um, both average about ten points per game. Um. I think you hit the nail on the head with Booth Gotch. Um, 
you're you're probably an expert on him considering where he's from. Um, but yeah, he I, I know he's got the reputation for being a shooter, but it's like he could never get that. He could never get it going at Minnesota a year ago. Um, and then, like you said, David Jenkins coming over from UNLV. My pause with this team is, you know, Raleigh Worcester and Marco Anthony, two guys who could start. They're probably both within the top six um, for sure on their sort of rotation. But they're transferring up. I always have a little caution with guys transferring up. You never, never know how they're going to, you know, build themselves up to a higher level of competition. And it's really yep. a similar similar thing with uh, Washington State. You know, you talked about Michael Flowers, South Alabama. Kim Aiken Jr., another transfer um, from Eastern Washington, another transfer up. Um, Tyrell Roberts, who, correct me if I'm wrong, but he sat out last year. Is that correct? I believe so. Okay. And so, yeah, and so similar reason, like they are transferring up now. If these guys could, you know, replicate that production or just get even eighty percent of that production um, at Washington State or Utah, yeah, these are two teams that I would definitely see making the tournament next year or this year. Yeah, I, I think a lot has to probably go right when we're talking making the tournament for both these teams. I, I just don't know. Who knows? I mean, it's impossible to know at this point in the season. At this point in the season, the season hasn't even started yet, but. I would say tournament expectations are probably, you know, low for both of them. But, yeah, those are those are the two that I could see exceeding expectations. Let's put it that way. Okay. Okay. I like it. And, yeah, and, like, we can't get, get away from talking about Utah and not mention that they are losing two big guys. We've talked a lot about Timmy Allen, uh, swingman transferring to Texas. They're also losing yeah. their – two guard from a year ago, Alfonso Plummer transferring to Illinois. So they have a lot of production um, to replace this year. And they're going to be relying on guys who, like I mentioned, are transferring up a level of competition. I do believe they bring back their next six guys though. So, you know, they are, they're losing, they're losing their high end guys. And Timmy Allen's going to be a big one. He, he basically led them in almost every category in terms of points, rebounds, I think he was their top assist guy, uh, you know, a, a really, really good player. They they do bring back some front court pieces who you can be excited about. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. You you hit the nail on the head with with Utah State guys kind of transferring up. Um, you know, we saw how Marco Anthony did at a high major Division one level. He started out at Virginia, and you know he wasn't great. Now Virginia is on another level when it comes to you know, the caliber of players they've got versus what Utah's got. So maybe he is a good player and he just was sitting behind good players at Virginia. You know, we'll see. Uh, but I think it's more of they've got they've got nice depth or they've got like seven, eight guys who are like, I, I think like decent. I don't know if they've got a guy who's like an all-conference caliber, like a like a legitimate difference maker. And that, that might be what limits their ceiling. Okay. Now, as promised, I told you who my team would be as far as tier three teams who could exceed expectations. Um, we call that a tease earlier. A tease. I like that. Um, and that is Arizona state. Now, when I was filling out sort of my cheat sheet that I use for these conference previews, I was surprised to see that they have four guys or not four guys, three guys who averaged at least 14 points per game a year ago. Now, all three got all three of those guys are gone. 
um, Remy Martin to Kansas, Josh Christopher to the NBA, and Alonzo Verge to Nebraska. But I was very surprised to see that they had that much production. And like for a team that didn't even make the tournament a year ago, that just surprised me. But I'll get off that. Um, as far as trying to replace uh, that production, Marcus Bagley is a guy who surprisingly came back. Um, I think the expectation was that he would either go pro or transfer elsewhere. Um, he's back, and I could see him making that leap. You know, we've talked about guys taking that next leap. Um, and they also have a couple good guards coming in via the transfer portal. Uh, Marion Jackson um, averaged 18 points per game at Toledo. Jay Heath, 14 points per game at Boston College. And DJ Horn averaging 15 at Illinois State. So they do have some talent coming in to sort of complement Marcus Bagley. And so this is a team that I do see as probably on the outside looking in at this point as far as tournament caliber. But I could see them, you know, if we look back in March, I could see them being in that tournament discussion later on. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a case that you can make that this is like the second or third, probably the third most talented team in the conference when it comes to just on paper on paper talent. They had that last year. There was no question they had enough talent, as, as reference. You said they had three-plus guys averaging 14 a game, and then Marcus Bagley wasn't even one of them, and and he's one of the top players, uh, you know, returning to the conference. I, I think last year it was a, a combination of probably, like, too many cooks in the kitchen, too many guards that all play the same kind of style. Remy Martin is a shoot first, shoot second, then maybe get guys involved type of point guard. Uh, Josh Christopher is there to be a one-and-done and put up shots. And who's the kid who transferred? Alonzo Verge. Um, you know, he's a bucket getter. They have three guys that basically want to do the same stuff. And I think that just messed with messed with their with their whole chemistry. I don't think that team was ever right last year. Too many guys that basically were out for me. And I think that messed with things. I, I'm wondering if there's maybe like a – like a uh, like a freeing effect here, where where there's maybe le- less is more. Sometimes you ever hear that, um, you know, less less could be more with this team. And, and you talked about a couple of their transfers. Another guy that missed last year, but I think could be a useful player. Maybe not like a like a high end. This is maybe kind of a kind of getting in the weeds. But Luther Muhammad, who was an Ohio State transfer two years ago, you know, he averaged seven points a game, and he's not you know he's he's kind of ho hum, but really good defensive player. You know, a guy who's not going to worry necessarily about getting a ton of shots. Um, so I, I think they've got good enough players where I think they'll be, there's enough talent to get guys like you convinced that they could be really good. I'm just never going to believe in Arizona state. I don't think Bobby Hurley's all that good of a coach. They've been disappointing how many years in a row where they, they seem to have plenty of talent and I'm doing, I'm doing the opposite of the coach bump with them. I'm, I'm doing like the coach, uh, subtraction. What's, what's the opposite of the coach bump? Is it the coach subtraction? That feels a little too much Englishy. Uh, what would be the opposite of a bump? Uh, push down. The coach push down. The, 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 yeah, we'll do that. The coach, the coach push down. I'm doing the coach push down because I don't think Bobby Hurley's all that good. We've been bitten by Arizona State before. Uh, their talent is enticing, and, and I do think Marcus Bagley, if he takes the next step for them. And, and Marion Jackson, the Toledo transfer, is, is, he's legit. And he's transferring up, so he's you know the numbers are probably going to take a little bit of a dip. I think he's legit, though. You're right; they're they're well, talented with enough. Jackson, just, they're just a tease, you know. Yeah, and with Marion Jackson, you know, let's just do. I'm going to create a rule for transfers up. 
we're going to call it should be 80% rule or 70% rule. Let's go I would 70%. say, yeah, 70, 70%. What's 70, what, what 70% of 18 points per game? It's got to be 13? A little um, over 12, and like, yeah. In addition to that, yeah, he averaged six assists per game a year ago also. And so, if, you know, you're talking about all these guys last year who were only trying to get buckets. Well, Marion Jackson is a guy who can get buckets and can also get other guys' buckets. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, that might be more valuable than anything is, is you might need a guy who just – Pitches the ball around and gets other people involved. My my dogs are like fighting here. They're like trying to fight. They're like trying to play. And <laughs> little one is a uh, little one is an instigator. She never she like will like tackle the other dog. And she would be a great post player. She uses her butt and she like posts. She like posts her up. It's uh, it's a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> but Biggs, I have a question though on Bobby Hurley. You talked about him and how bad of a coach you think he is. Could you see him? increasing his coaching production as a way of almost like a revenge tour because he got passed over to be coach K's successor. Ooh. So it's his own kind of Bobby Hurley revenge tour. I, maybe he thought he thought he had the team last year that was going to be good enough to get him on like the successor ranking. And he kind of went for broke and now he's like, you know what? This is Bobby Hurley, like un unhinged. And we're going to just going to, we're going to come out and we're going to like, I don't even know where I'm going with this. Maybe Could we see that. Could we see the Bobby Hurley maybe coaching like to, to prove everyone wrong? Do you think, do you think we'll be seeing him doing? Cause like, I feel like he was the first Duke guy to be doing the floor slap. Do you think that we could see him doing that on the sidelines this year? I sure hope so. That'd be compelling television. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. Let's uh, so we have, I think four more teams who I consider to be tier three. Um, and we're just going to go in alphabetical order here. Let's go Arizona. What do you think of this team? First year head coach, Tommy Lloyd. Um, I know you've mentioned before, he was sort of known as Mark Fuse, like best recruiter at Gonzaga. Um, what do you think of this team? I love the, I love the decision to go alphabetical order on things. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big proponent of doing things in alphabetical order. In regards to Arizona, though, I, I guess I, I have no idea what to expect. It seems like Arizona lost a ton of guys to the transfer portal. They had a ton of recruits that were, like, coming over from Europe. So there's just not, like, a lot of – it feels like there's just not a lot of known with this team, and it, it feels like you're just kind of staring down the barrel of big-time rebuild season, right, where it's just kind of like we're going we're gonna to get the new coach in here. He's going to evaluate what we got. He might clean house, bring in a whole new roster next year. I don't know what they got, to be honest with you. I do know this. It feels like in college hoops there are programs that every time you think they're not going to be good, they're just they're just always good. And, and Arizona feels like one of those. When was the last time Arizona had just an absolutely horrible team? It feels like they're always – it feels like they're, like, terrible proof. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like no matter what, there's at least going to be a level of – I don't want to say the word professionalism, but, but it just feels like there's a high floor with, with teams like that where – Anytime you think Arizona is going to be awful, it's, they're probably not going to be awful, right? It's Arizona. Yep. And, uh, you know, one player I'd have my eye out for this on this year's team, um, Tommy Lloyd does bring one guy over from Gonzaga with him. Um, he's a center. His name, I'm probably butchering his first name, Umer Ballo. Yeah, Umer Ballo. I probably butchered his last name, too. Yes, and he is a former four-star recruit. He's a center. Now, obviously, you think of last year's Gonzaga team. They were loaded. Um, 
and he was a freshman a year ago, only averaged two and a half points per game. But could it just be that he couldn't find his way on the court because they had so much damn talent? And maybe he steps into a starting role here and has a good year. A um, couple other guys, they do. They have a ben- Benedict Matherin and Azulis Tubeus. I'm probably butchering that one too. And they also have another transfer, one from Utah named Pele Larson. Uh, a little conference familiarity there. Ooh, yeah. Um, average eight points per game there. So they do. They have some guys who they have the piece in place. Um, whether or not they can get those guys to, you know, work together and cohese um, remains to be seen. And also, to my knowledge, we've never seen Tommy Lloyd as a head coach, have we? So maybe that's all you need right there. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's true. And you're right with with Tabellis and Mathurin. Matherin, I don't know. Two guys who are back who were were productive, decent enough players last year. So maybe, you know, maybe those guys take the next step in theory. I love uh, the Omar Balo take by you. I think he's going to be a monster. He was he was known as the Bahamian Shack coming out of high school. Like when he played in like the, you know, like if he, he played for like the Bahamas in like the, you know, when they when they're doing like U sixteen, seventeen, like the FIBA kind of Olympic stuff. He was uh, an absolute monster. I mean, he was a monster. And so, yeah, not playing at Gonzaga when you're a big man, that's like, that's not a crime. You know, like, that's, uh, you know, you got to beat out Drew Timmy and, and some of those other guys. I, I think he could be, he could be a force. I, I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to play a ton because, I mean, he's just so big that it's hard to imagine him being kind of an Iron Man. Um, I, I would be, I would be surprised, though, if he is not a productive. Uh, interior player for them next year. Um, let's move on. Uh, next team alphabetically, Colorado, and we're skipping Cal because they're team fo- tier four. Um, but Colorado, like you know, you you mentioned uh, Utah and Washington State as your teams that could you know exceed expectations. Um, I mentioned Arizona State, but Colorado was like my second choice. Um, they do lose McKinley Wright, their point guard from a year ago. Um, really, their do it all guy he's off into the nba they do replace him with a guy who granted he's transferring up but did have a similar stat line mckinley right was 15 points um five assists per game but mason faulkner coming from west carolina averaged 17 points and four assists per game um in addition to that evan batty is a good guy coming back double digit scorer they do have three four-star recruits coming in who could play a vital role so they were actually my second choice as far as teams who could exceed expectations in this category. Yeah, I could I could see Colorado being solid too. I mean, losing McKinley Wright is is really tough. I mean, he was he was just so good on both ends of the floor. But I I love Evan Batty. Uh, he's a guy that I think if you do a little more offensively with, could could see his his kind of numbers could skyrocket inside. I mean, I think he's one of the toughest big guys in the conference. I, I could see him taking a big step. Faulkner is. You know, he's coming up, he's making a big jump from Western Carolina to the Pac-12, so, you know, those numbers are going to dip. Um, I do think they've got some some intriguing young guys, though, too, like with, um, you know, Jabari Walker was a freshman last year, kind of a 6'8 wing player who who can really play. I mean, he averaged like eight points a game in like 15 minutes and, and was really looking good towards the end of the season. Um and then they've got another. They've got another young guard who was kind of a freshman last year too, if I'm not mistaken. Is it Maddox Daniels, who was? Nope, he was a senior. Might have been Eli Park. 
and, and Keyshawn, Keyshawn Bartholomew, who's another another freshman who had some good moments coming off the bench. I mean, these guys are playing kind of low wattage roles, you know, because you have some seniors on that team. But could could one of those guys take that freshman to sophomore jump and just with a little more opportunity become, you know? what McKinley Wright was. I mean, these guys weren't necessarily highly rated players coming out of high school. Neither was McKinley Wright. I mean, he was a, good, a high level three-star guy. And that's the way Colorado's got to win. They've, they're not going to win the recruiting wars, right? They're not going to bring in four and five-star guys regularly. They've got some guys coming in this year that, that, that are kind of exciting. But in general, it's you've, you've got to grow these guys a little bit, right? Take them as freshmen and, and build them up by the time they're, by the time they're juniors and seniors, they're ready to play. There, there's pieces coming back. I just don't know how many. It, it, it's all entirely based on do these guys take, all of them take big leaps to replace what's lost. And it, that's going to be tough. It's tough to see that, you know, this uh, this quickly. Right. Um, all right, let's get into Oregon State, who, you know, we talked about UCLA making a deep tournament run that was unexpected. Oregon State was probably even more of a fluke, or maybe not. Maybe they'll prove me wrong here. But they won the Pac-12 conference tournament last year and needed it probably just to even make the tournament. And then they made a run all the way to the Elite Eight, uh, lost to Houston. Now, they do lose Ethan Thompson. Um, he graduated. Zach Reichel also graduated. Um, I believe both of them were starters majority of the season. Um, they have... Jared Lucas coming back. He's, you know, their point guard, average 12 points per game. Um, They have a Xavier Malone key transferring over from Fairley Dickinson, which I, I love how his name spelt. You know, you know, like with Xavier, it's, it's always with an X, but it obviously yeah. sounds like a Z. His is X Z A V I E R. So it's like, it makes it perfect. I think. Can you actually, can you pronounce it X Xavier then? Oh, maybe it is. Maybe I am still mispronouncing it. I kind of hope it's X Xavier. You know, you really, really emphasize the X there. X Xavier. Yes. X Xavier. I like it. Um, I And then this next guy, I can never figure out how to, how to pronounce his name. Warith Alatish. Sure. Okay. Um, and then they also have one guy. They have the number seven Juco transfer. I should have looked up his stats before this. Uh, but the number, number seven guy, his name is Deshaun Davis. I know absolutely nothing about him, but... With all these new pieces, um, they're up there as far as like my tier three teams. Um, I'd almost, to be honest, I'd almost put them above Utah and Washington State. Um, not to shit on on your takes or anything, but ouch, um, I still I still think they're going to be on the outside looking in come tournament time. Yeah, I guess I, I'm just kind of assuming maybe maybe shame on me for assuming this, but. They lose. They lose a ton. They weren't a particularly good team last year before they went on their magical run, and they went on a magical run that was that was awesome. But Oregon State is not generally that good. They haven't been that good for a long time. They, I, I could argue they weren't really all that good last year. I don't think they're going to be very good next year. That's just the way. I, I don't think they're going to be one of the better teams in the conference. I think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the conference. Good on Wayne Tinkle for going on that big run last year to secure himself a, a longer contract. And uh, I bet you we don't talk about Oregon State all year. All right, write that I'm down. I'm happy Oregon State folks, later. all of our Oregon State fans. Should we have a bet on this? Or, like I say, Oregon State finishes conference regular season ahead of both Utah and Washington State. Wow, okay, yeah, bet. I'll bet you, I'll bet you that. 
Okay. What are we going to bet on this? Lunch? Sure. Yeah, let's bet lunch. Okay. Uh, I'm going to write this down on my little I have a little spot over here on my computer, so I'll write that down there. What kind of what uh, kind of the, caliber of lunch are we talking? Are we talking like rich man's lunch like you eat or are we talking poor man's lunch like I eat? I forget you're on that teacher's salary. Um yeah. me and my friend, whenever we bet, we always do like a burrito place. Like he always likes Chipotle, I like Pancheros. So that's okay. usually what we do for our bets. Yeah. I'm down for that. I'll bet you a Pancheros burrito. Okay, that's what I like as well. Um last tier tier three team. We're almost into tier four, but last Ooh. tier three team is Stanford. Um and this team they greatly what's the opposite of exceeds expectations were far below expectations underachieved they had you know a top 10 recruit in zaire williams um and then in addition to that oscar de silva averaged 18 points per game last year and this team still missed the tournament um for this year they do have one um five-star recruit coming in harrison ingram that's really all they have coming in um I just don't have high expectations for this team. They're going to rely a lot on Harrison Ingram. Yeah, I think Stanford. I mean, I, I, you just wonder how much was Stanford impacted by not having like a home gym? Didn't they have to play and didn't they have to practice in like Santa Clara last year? Or they had to. They didn't have a home gym, right? Didn't they? They were just they were destroyed by COVID because of some I, of that stuff. If I remember correctly, because I think they traveled to North Carolina to play, and I think they spent a period of time after that. Um, you know, their head coach, Jared Haas, has ties to North Carolina. And so I think they were – they may have been tra- practicing at North Carolina for a while and would just travel wherever else, if I remember correctly. That's that's brutal for a West Coast team, man. I mean, that's that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I – I actually am higher on Stanford than you. I think I think Stanford's got a chance to come back next year and, and be be a little better. I think I think mid tier conference is is not out of the question for them. I, I think sneaking into that top three or four, I would not be like shocked by it. Um, they are going to be relying on Harrison Ingram quite a bit, and he's going to have to be a lot better than Zaire Williams was, who I would say was was really disappointing last year as a freshman. You know, a top ten level recruit who averaged basically ten points a game and shot like 37% from the field. If his name was like, this is again, a classic, classic thing where if his, if his name was like George Williams, would anyone have cared that he was good? I think the name Zaire, like totally. What do you have against George's? You know, I don't have anything it against George. What do you have against George? Like the common, I think the common people hate it's nameism. It could be, it could be. So yeah, let's, uh, maybe he'll change his name in the NBA to, uh, I don't know, maybe Matt. Uh, some basic name well, like that, would, that and that would maybe be, he'll be suicide. I think in the NBA, you have to have a, a ridiculous Correct. name. Every NBA star has a ridiculous name or a ridiculous kind of nickname. I, I, uh, let's move in, on. In, let's, in, uh, in reality, so. though, no. Back, <laughs> real quick on Stanford, though, I do think they've got some guys that'll be that'll be solid. Jaden Delaire, who averaged twelve and a half points a game last year, is back. I think he's got a chance to kind of be a breakout guy. Bryce Wills, I I, I know. I didn't I didn't grind away on Stanford tape all year, but in the games that I watched, and, and I, I I specifically remember him in that Maui tournament early in the season, he looked like an impact guy. I think he's like a six five, six six, kind of big physical, kind of two way guard. I, I could see him being an impact guy. He missed some time last year due to injury. Um, and then Noah Tates and Max Morell were both freshmen who their numbers don't look real good last year. I, I could see both of them being kind of breakout guys who who take that 
that big freshman to sophomore jump, as you all, you always mention that stuff. I, I think I think there's a little more meat on the Stanford bone than you're giving them credit for. Uh, we'll see. Um, I'm just gonna so I I have it on my cheat sheet. You just mentioned Bryce Wills, and on my cheat sheet I, I've got a section at the bottom of it where I, I list all the players who have left. I have Bryce Wills as a player who left, and for notes like I have. Like my notes off to say it, I say like graduated or NBA or transferred somewhere. For my note, it just says left school. So Did he are leave? you sure that he's back? I, I swear I saw somewhere where I, when I was preparing this that he's not there anymore. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I guess I don't know. Well, that would upset me. I'll put it that way. And I'm, I'm Googling his name right now and I'm not seeing anything. I'm not seeing anything either. Yeah. This entire thing is contingent on Bryce Wills being back. If he's gone, if Bryce, throw it out. If Bryce Wills is back, they move up to tier one. Okay, maybe not. Boom. Put it on the board. Okay. Uh, all right, let's get into tier four here. Uh, California. Now, my main note here, and the main thing I took away from doing this cheat sheet is – did you know that they were the Golden Bears? Like, specifically the word Golden in their nickname. I I knew they were called the Bears, but I did not know they were called the Golden Bears. Yeah. How many... And that's, here's, a, here's, here's a good trivia question for you. How many California towns, over under 9.5, you name before you can name the town that California is located in? I can't think of that. I have no idea where they're located, to be honest. Just tell me the name because I'm not going to – I can name Los Angeles. I can name Sacramento. I can name San Jose, San Diego, anything with San in front of it. Um, And I have a feeling I haven't named California yet. No, you have not. They are located in Berkeley. Berkeley. The University of California, Berkeley. Yeah, it's UC Berkeley because there's a bunch of other ones too I know. It's UC everything over there. It's true. What a pretentious state. Yeah, no kidding. Um, anything you have to add on California? We talked a lot about them already. No, I think they're going to be pretty bad. And, uh, yeah, I think it could be a, a rough year. You know, we'll see. Is Mark Fox the coach for Cal? I don't even know anymore. Yes, he's in his third season. And to be completely honest, considering they're 9-20 and 20 last year, um, Matt Bradley, their best player, whoever, six, 18 points per game, transferred in conference bigs to San Diego State. That hurts. Um, that hurts big time. So, honestly, he might be coaching for his job. Could be. Could be. Now, if you're coaching for your job, do you want to keep coaching at Cal, or do you just want to get fired? Probably. Just get on, get moving on to that next best thing. You know, yeah. Although, living in Cal, I mean, it might not be the worst thing, I guess, if you've got money. Yeah. Uh, one more team here, bigs. We have... Washington. This is the last team we have to talk about. I completely um, they, forgot about Washington. Yes, they lose their best player from a year ago, Quade Green. He went pro. Um, they get Dejon Davis in conference from Stanford. They get Emmett Matthews from West Virginia. Um, but like a lot of like Cal, I just I have very low expectations for this team. Five and twenty-one a year ago, and they did not get much better. Isn't it? It feels hard to believe that Washington is this bad. Like, that's a state that has good talent. Washington is just like a beautiful 
Seattle's a beautiful area. You'd think you can recruit guys to that. It's it's quite frankly odd that they're so bad at hoops and they've been really outside of a couple of years, um, a couple of years ago when they had that basically entire group of basically seniors. They haven't. They've been kind of just trash. Yeah. They bring they bring in a couple guys. You're right, like Dejon Davis, who I, I'm not sure if that's even a positive thing. Like he's just been kind of underwhelming as an as a college player throughout his career. And Emmett Matthews is he was okay. You know, the fourth or fifth best guy on a West Virginia team that was pretty good. So maybe he takes a step. I don't know. Eric Stevenson. Yeah. Everyone thought he was going to take a big step. The Wichita State transfer. He shoots thirty six percent from the field. You're right, Quad A Green. Oh, hey, actually, I have Eric, Eric, Eric Stevenson transferred to South Carolina on my notes. Oh, he's gone too? See, I can't I can't keep track of these yeah. guys. It's just so ho-hum. Washington's just so far off my radar that, yeah, I, I think it's yeah. probably going to be pretty rough. You're probably right. They're they're just kind of bad. Um, so, yeah, that we've gone through all the teams so far, and I thought it would be fun, Biggs, to end the show if we would almost do some predictions. Um as far as sort of conference award type stuff. Now, yeah. name off five guys who you think would be all conference. <coughs> all conference guys. Let's see. Well, I think Ju Zhang is probably the preseason player of the year. I would go with. Um, who's the kid from Oregon? What's his name again? Which one? Because like, I, I was making my predictions on this as far as who I think, and I, I knew I had to get an Oregon guy on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I do I do have Juzang, and I actually have him predicted to be like the conference player of the year when it's all said and done. Um, as far as the Oregon guy I picked, I went with Davion Harmon, to be honest. Really? I, I'll, go with, uh, I'll go with Will Richardson. Okay. That's the, that's the Oregon guy. I, his name yep. was escaping me. I will put I, – I, I actually – I do think Evan Mobley is going to take that next step. I think he'll be a two-way kind of impact piece. Isaiah Mobley. Yes, not Evan and yet, Mobley. This has not been my best podcast. Yep, I'm I also have with him names. on mine. All of a sudden, I've gotten really old. I also have Isaiah Mobley on mine. Um, so Isaiah Mobley and Juzang, we both mentioned we have. Um, I mentioned Harmon. You mentioned Will Richardson. I also the other two guys I put Jaime Hawkins on there also, and I also put on Marcus Bagley. I was thinking about Marcus Bagley. I love me some Jaime Hawkins. Um, I could also see is it Kubelis from Arizona who is one of their their big guy. He was he was really good last year. Um, mm-hmm. He averaged like thirteen and seven for Arizona. I think if they're better than we expect, I think he's going to have probably some some hype and a lot of opportunity to put up some big numbers. So, I, I could I could maybe put I'd put him ahead of I'm gonna put him ahead of Marcus Bagley. Okay, uh, I'm with Jan. I'm I'm with Jan Hawkes though. Okay. Um. Uh, okay. Let's. Uh. Who do you think is gonna be the top <coughs> freshman? I'll lead off with mine. And I actually I put Nate Biddle on my notes. Um. But just as we went throughout the show, I actually changed my mind on that. Um. I think because of how much Stanford's gonna rely on Harrison Ingram. Um. I think he's gonna put up some big numbers for them. And so as far as like freshman of the year, I'm going to go with Harrison Ingram. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I don't think Biddle 
I don't think Biddle's really going to play a ton. I, I kind of am, and maybe this is maybe this is my own just kind of my brain just kind of works this way. But I, I think he's the way his game has been described, and from what I've seen from him, he reminds me a lot of. Uh, oh, he started for UNC last year, and I can't remember his name now. Whatever, so, some big guy that was he was kind of known as being really skilled, but but not real physically. Not, not the most physically imposing big. And, and I just think with those types of big guys, it takes them a little while. Unless they're like just next level skills. Um, I, I think he's going to be a, a guy that has a hard time adapting to college really quickly. I think the ceiling is pretty high for a guy like that because he, he's known as a kid who can, can kind of handle the ball. He's kind of this new age kind of stretch five, right? He can, he can shoot and he can handle the ball and do all the things point guards can do in a seven-foot body. College is not the NBA, though, so I, I think he'll have a hard time adapting immediately. Uh, with the amount of defenses uh, that Dana Altman likes to kind of deploy, I think he'll he'll take a little time. And they've just got some good bigs who who will do the stuff that Oregon values in terms of just setting picks, doing the dirty work. I think that stuff's going to be more valuable. I have a hard time. I think Biddle is going to be a good player as like a sophomore and junior, but I think as a freshman, people are going to be like, why was this guy rated so high? I see that happening. Um, okay, I'm gonna go with Peyton Watson as my top freshman. I think uh, I think he is going to break into the the UCLA kind of rotation and give them some juice. I, I, I'm going with Peyton Watson over Harrison Ingram. Okay, I actually I, for some reason I spaced him out too. I think he's going to have a good opportunity there too. Um, last award prediction, Biggs. Unless you can think of any more, but who do you think when it's all said and done will be coach of the year? I'm gonna go with Craig Smith. I think Utah. I think Utah has a good year, or Kyle Smith. It's gonna be a Smith. I'm gonna put it that way. One of the Smiths gets Coach of the Year because I think one of those teams, I think UCLA and Oregon are gonna be as good as everyone expects, or 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 very good. Maybe not as good as I don't think UCLA will be as good as folks having them in the top three will be. But I think they're 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 year two that you can just count on being really good. Uh, I I think Utah or or Washington State. One of those teams is surprising people. And I think one of those two coaches is getting some coach of the year pub because they take their teams from unexpected, uh, low expectations to to being in the mix at the high end of the conference. How about you? Um, you know, I'm, this may be cheating a little bit because I'm picking a coach for a very good team already. Um, but I do think this team, you know, we talked earlier about this team and how many transfers they have coming in um, and how tough it's going to get these transfers and all these new guys to – um, gel and mesh together. But this coach has a history of doing this with transfers, and that's Dana Altman. And so I think that he's going to get this team, you know, gelling together at the right time, um, for sure. I'd say maybe even early on in the Pac-12 schedule. And so I think this team is going to be a very good team this year, and that's why I think Dana Altman will be the coach of the year. I like it. All right, so yeah, Biggs, anything else we need to talk about? We, uh, I, I think we killed this podcast. I, I feel like we crushed it. I think that was about as comprehensive event. Titus and Tate claimed to be the only Pac-12 guys. Um, don't get comfortable, Titus and Tate. We're coming for you with the Pac-12 takes. We are Pac-12 stands. I'm all about late-night Pac-12. Uh, bring it on. All right, so yeah. This was our uh, one of our Pac-12, or one of our Pac-12, one of our conference previews. Um, we actually recorded this about three weeks before it's released. Um, but along with this sometime today, I'm assuming this is a Monday, we will release, um, on our 
WordPress site, midcourtmass.wordpress.com, um, a new article, basically a Pac-12 preview article, so you can read it as well. That will be written by Biggs, um, and I'm really I'm I'm holding you to this, so I'm saying it now. You have to do it. Um, and so I already read it. It sounds great. I actually haven't read it. I'm just assuming that I have a chance to read it, and it will be great. You're, you're giving me homework. <laughs> yeah, you're the teacher, but I'm giving you homework. wow. Um, but look out for that and uh, yeah we're going to continue on with conference preview season so we'll see you next week bye